And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Night pod, late night pod, and so many things to celebrate. One, we won the coin flip. Two, the Clippers lost. Three, I just got $16 put in my Dapper account on NBA Top Shot. It's a great night with me, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? Good evening, down to dunkers. Is this even evening? Would you call this evening? <laughs> well, it's only 11.15 here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely... It's not too bad. Yeah. 117 here in OKC. And uh, we're doing a pod. Uh, first things first, Al. Some good fortune came the Thunder's way today in the form of a coin flip. And what kind of coin do you think they're actually flipping? Is this a uh, is this a quarter? Is this a commemorative NBA coin? Do we know? Uh, it's a digital digital coin. That is cri- is that crypto. true? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't a coin flip at all. It it was just it was more balls. It was balls. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's lame. Don't. Yes, I forgot about that. The the language stinks. Can't call it a coin flip and not flip a coin. I I would agree, and I think that players should do it, and it should be televised. I would have watched it. Poku versus Chetty Osman. (laughs) I would have definitely watched it. (laughs) Heads or tails, Poku, and he'll be like, "What are you talking about?" and flips in the air. Yeah, one Uh, gets to flip it, and one gets to call it. (laughs) That would be totally fair. I would love that, but the Thunder win the coin flip, so it's great for the Thunder. The furthest they can fall is eight now. Which is uh, better than nine. <laughs> it is better than nine, but more importantly, the only scenario where they fall to eight is when Houston falls to five. Yeah. So we've really narrowed the bad outcomes. So right now, based on them winning this coin flip, the two bad scenarios, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Only getting the seventh pick or only getting yeah. the sixth pick. In every other scenario, they get at least one top five pick. Yep. And I did the math. So it's 23.73% chance that one of these bad situations happen. However, 17% of that is only getting the six. Only 6.3% of that is only getting the seventh. So even mm-hmm. then, like, really the, the most likely bad scenario is only getting the sixth pick. So we're we're looking very good. And this would have been different if we had lost that coin flip because then you have to factor in eighth a little bit more. Ninth yep. still would have been like an outside shot, but you would have to f- factor in eighth a little bit more. So yep. I think it, it was a bigger deal than you would think. It's great. It's great for the odds. You want to maximize the odds? Today you helps, you maximize maximize the odds. helps you maximize the odds. So that's great news for the Thunder heading into the NBA draft lottery. It's they still have the same odds for like the number one pick and all that stuff, but right. this this helps with if they don't get drawn. It raises your floor. floor. Yeah, it's a floor raiser. No it's doubt. the DeMar DeRozan of outcomes. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh speaking of DeMar DeRozan, oh, where are you going the, with this? The Clippers. <laughs> I don't know. The Clippers uh, need to sign DeMar DeRozan in the offseason. He will fix everything because he's, dis- he's a distributor now. You know what? It might be a DeMar DeRozan, Paul George Clippers team next season Hell yes. with Kawhi Leonard leaving. Yes. This is what we might be. <laughs> this is what we might be looking at for the Clippers as they lose to the Mavericks. 127-121. Holy moly, man. They lost both games. In L.A., both the, of them, heading back to Dallas with the f- basically full-capacity crowd 
in Dallas with Luca. I mean, come on, man. Like they're this, screwed. This team does not deserve fans. Like the idea no. that there are like genuine nice people who follow this team and had to just live through those last two games. That's like the only part of me that feels bad. Just thinking about those poor people <laughs> that had to watch this team that they like, that they love, that they root for, and they just do this to them again and again. Because now it's five games in a row. Five playoff games Ugh. in a row that they've lost. And they've all been terrible. Terrible. I mean, I guess th- that first one was probably okay, but everything after that has just been awful. And they're yelling at each other like as they're like going into the tunnel. Like, Rondo is pissed. And the thing about, like, everyone talks about, like, playoff Rondo. Oh, Rondo's going to be so good. But they didn't – you don't factor in that if things don't go well with Rondo, it's usually so, so bad. And, like and also killer. The idea of playoff Rondo implies that he is playing. And he's in the game. <laughs> yeah, and that just hasn't been the case. They've been going with Patrick Beverly a lot, and I, I just do not understand, especially at the end of that game. Like, they allowed him to get switched onto either Patrick Beverly or Reggie Jackson time after time after time. Oh my gosh! And like at some point, you have to do something to stop that. <laughs> you have you to. Have, Pat you Bev- can't keep allowing it to happen. I would argue Patrick Beverly not a good player anymore. I would agree with that. He's he could do nothing any time that he was switched onto Luca. Luca could drive to the basket with a, basically an uncontested layup every single time. It was terrible. It was terrible, and I. I don't know what they do. I'd argue it was great. Well, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> Although there is a part of me that's like, man, this would be like 5% more enjoyable if I had just stuck to my hate, not even my gut, just stuck to my hate and picked the Clippers to lose in this series. I would have sounded yeah. so smart. But I fell for them again. because, And there was good reason to fall for them again. They're, I mean, they're the best three-point shooting team of all time arguably in the regular season i trusted Ty Lue a lot more i felt like they were deeper and even going you know into what? game two i was like Ty Lue's gonna make some adjustment that's gonna work like they have to they can't mm-hmm. be the exact same team from last year right they can't lose this game They're not something lose has this. to they, be they different can't possibly lose game two listen i i don't i have no regrets i picked the clippers to win in five obviously can't happen now I believe that we were part of the massive jinx that has been put on this Clippers team. I believe we're part of that. So I have no regrets. Well, if it's a jinx, it's not a one-year jinx. It's like a f- four-decade jinx. I mean, th- this we have we have I used to think it was a joke when Bill Simmons wrote that article about like uh like the Clippers bad juju, like going back mm-hmm. to them s- stealing the Buffalo Braves or whatever and then obviously all the Donald Sterling stuff. It's like at this point Man, Ball, if Ballmer ever had an out to go back to Seattle and didn't take it, and now he's stuck with this Clippers franchise, and who knows what's coming mm-hmm. up, and now they're building the new stadium, man, I'd have some regrets. Because it does <laughs> so, feel like this team is cursed. It does. And you know what? It's pretty great to have a cursed franchise's draft <laughs> picks for the foreseeable future. Not just a cursed franchise, but man... Remember last year, the reports after the loss to the Nuggets about yeah. Steve Ballmer going insane and people uh-huh. having to calm him down. That was after it happened the first time. Imagine what he's going to do after it happens again, assuming they don't come back. Of course, I don't want to jinx it. They could they could come back. They're a great team. <laughs> I, don't want to get ahead. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Clippers and six is what Alex predicted, and that's, that's what's right. going to happen. That's yep. that's how that's this the, will uh, all play that's out. The Ropa Dope series. The the Thunder did it to the Spurs back in the day, and the Clippers yep. are about to do it again. That's true. They have the heart and spirit of a team that could do that. Okay, uh, Al, we're going to talk NBA draft history of this Oklahoma City Thunder team. We are. And uh, we will you uh, start to take us through that, right? Uh, yes. So. We are going to go through the Thunder draft year by year, starting with 2008, officially 
you know, Russell Westbrook was the, although I was, is he technically drafted by the Supersonics because he did wear a Sonics hat? So is he technically yeah. not the first Thunder drafted player? And I mean, no, not technically. Mm. It would be James Harden. Mm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't mean to bring down all the rust stands. Yeah, this late is, at night. Uh, this is awkward. Uh, anyways, we're going to start with 2008, and we'll see how far we get. Because honestly, it's the early years that are most fun. And we're going to go mm-hmm. through and talk about, at the time, if we can remember, who did we want the Thunder to take? And the point of oh, doing this is yeah. that obviously over these next two months, we're going to start talking about a lot of prospects and we're going to mm-hmm. develop affinities for certain prospects and not like other prospects and we're going to feel very strongly yep. about it but it's good mm-hmm. to look back and see uh what our record is you know what our track record is mm-hmm. now if andrew if there was a year when if i bring up a year and you don't think there was anyone you definitely know you don't you don't have to make one up okay you don't have to make one up okay. i'm just gonna i'm gonna try to be as honest as i can be so 2008 okay. and by the way as i go through first of all i have some uh some replies from Twitter, some down to dunk listeners who told me who they wanted in certain drafts. And then I also went back and read through some Chad Ford mock drafts and got some very funny quotes. I also read through some, uh, uh, some Bill Simmons draft diaries. So I'll bring up a few of those as well. Oh, love it. Okay. Okay, So let's start 2008. Obviously they take Russ fourth, Ibaka 24th, DJ white 29th. Their odds yeah. that year were actually the second best. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. They dropped to mm-hmm. fourth. Now, this was Chad Ford's post-draft grade. And you're going to think he's pretty smart. He says, a lot of people seem shocked the Sonics went with Westbrook this high, but I'm not. His combination of length, athleticism, motor, and defensive toughness makes him an ideal fit with Kevin Durant. Westbrook needs to improve offensively, but at worst, he is a defensive stopper. Okay, maybe not. And he could become one of the <laughs> best point guards in the league down the road. I had him rated as the fourth best prospect in the draft, right behind Rose, Beasley, and Mayo. Now, okay, that doesn't sound great, but not a lot of people had him ranked fourth. That's pretty good, Chad Ford. That's pretty good. Now, You think the- that he went back and edited that? Oh, I didn't even consider that. Have you heard now, of, have you heard about this? Yes, of course I've heard about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I, I don't think you would edit actual text. That'd be hard to do. Now, I remember who I wanted. And it's so dumb because, you know, it's almost like when you're doing like a fantasy draft, like mm-hmm. you're so beholden to those pre draft rankings. So if you're like at pick four, you're looking at like who does ESPN tell me I could take like four to eight? I don't want to take anyone beyond that. And at that time, we knew we needed a point guard. And everyone was telling us, okay, well, in that case, your options are DJ Augustine or Jared Mm -hmm. Bayless. And I decided for no reason at all that Jared Bayless was going to be my guy. Oh, me too. I think think this is something that we had decided together, too, because I remember texting you the night of the draft and just being disgusted that we didn't get Jared (laughs) Bayless. Well, listen to this. This was a quote. This was from from ESPN as well, but I don't think it was Chad Ford. He said... Mm -hmm. I love Westbrook and believe he has the skill set to eventually be a great point guard. But I know Jared Bayless does have the offensive skills to be a great point guard. Bayless works <laughs> extremely well without the ball and would have been the perfect point guard for a system built around Kevin Durant. While not a defender mm-hmm. like Westbrook, Bayless has enough athleticism and desire to be well above average. I know. People were into, I liked into Bayless. Now, yeah. uh, Matt Faith 74 he said at the time, I was disappointed that we got Russell over Kevin Love. I was also very into O.J. Mayo. It's interesting mm-hmm. he says that because I don't even remember having any thoughts about Kevin Love at that time. Like, none whatsoever. I never considered him on the Thunder. Yeah, I didn't either. Honestly, I think we needed a guard. We needed a guard. Or we needed a center, and that's why, like, Brooke Lopez was the other name that was thrown out at the time. Yeah, Brooke Lopez was on the Thunder's radar, too. At, during during the draft, he was like another guy that they considered. I believe I remember hearing that. Now, for most of these, especially the early ones, I'm only going to focus on the top picks. Like, believe me, I did not have an opinion on who they should be taking at 29th in the 2008 draft back then. <laughs> I'm sure didn't? it wouldn't have been. I'm sure it wouldn't have been DJ White. I will say nah, that. I mean, Jared Giddens. I was a Chalmers guy. Chalmers, yeah. yeah. I remember being but, into the Serge Ibaka pick uh, 
mainly because about a month later at a boys to men concert at the Oklahoma State Fair, I met. Yeah. Well, I actually didn't meet Serge Ibaka, but Serge Ibaka was there with Tabo, and I did meet Tabo, but I wasn't confident yep. enough to ask Serge Ibaka if it was really him. Okay, 2009. <laughs> We draft James Harden third, Byron B.J. Mullins 24th. That year, their odds were fourth best. They jumped to third overall. I wanted to read you. This is pre-draft scuttlebutt, okay? Pre-draft scuttlebutt. Who will the Thunder draft? This is from Chad Ford. I think this one is going down to the wire. I know Presti is a fan of all four players. Rubio and Thabit have the upside, and Harden and Curry are the better fits. That is insane. What an insane sentence. Rubio and Thabit have the upside, and Harden and Curry are the better fits. <laughs> if, <laughs> if Presti can get a couple of assets in return for the number three pick, he won't be afraid to pull the trigger on a trade either. If the Thunder keep the pick, my brain says Harden. The scuttle is that Curry is the hot name in the Thunder's draft war room, and a few think Thabit's size will win the day. But I have to believe that Rubio, whom we've had here since the night of the lottery, will end up in OKC. And... Mm. I felt like by the time that draft happened, I was pretty convinced it was going to be Harden, but I was hoping that it would be Rubio. I was waiting to hear Ricky Rubio's name. Yes. Were you with us at Buffalo Wild Wings watching no, that draft? No, I was in, at OU at the time in the uh, cafeteria watching it on a TV by myself. <laughs> I think it was like me and I think Dane and Dusty and some other guys. Oh, man. Thanks for um, that. I'm pretty sure we invited you. Uh, you just decided not to come. <laughs> Dude, I wanted Ricky Rubio really bad. <clears throat> it's all, And it wasn't me like pouring through Rubio tape you know, at my house. <laughs> right. It was because of Bill Simmons, right? Like, oh, like yeah. The podcasts that were available to us at the time. Again, like very early Basketball Jones stuff. And they didn't cover the draft. And then you had Bill Simmons. And you listened to Bill talk. And you would have thought like, you would have thought that Ricky Rubio was going to be what Luca is today, right? Yeah, and, and, and the argument was actually pretty similar because the argument for Luca was like, this guy's already done it. Like, he's been doing it in Europe for years now. Yeah. And the same was true mm-hmm. with Ricky Rubio, and Bill Simmons would always bring up that Olympic final, Spain versus oh, yeah. USA. Where the late Olympics. Yeah. Rubio was like 16 or something and was like holding his own with all these NBA players. And it was like that Playing was the his. closing minutes. That was like yeah. the smoking gun argument. Like what more do you need yep. to see? Like he can do it. Yep. And so, yeah, I was absolutely convinced, which it's so crazy to think back of a Rubio-Westbrook backcourt like in terms of shooting. <laughs> Lord, man, it would have been really bad. And yeah. like this. I don't know. And it's also just funny to think of it with the rivalry he created with Rubio when he was on the Jazz. Like, it's just all hilarious. But they made the right pick. And, you know, huge credit to the Thunder for actually picking James Harden, who I didn't have a good enough opinion of at the time. And uh, Timothy413 agrees with us. He wanted Ricky Rubio as well. And then HP Fouts33 said he wanted Tyreek Evans. Had no idea who Harden was. Interesting. Yeah, Tyreek went fourth in that draft. That was a, I mean, that was, that is my favorite draft of all time um, because that mm-hmm. was the David Kahn draft. And obviously, oh, so good. you had Steph Curry and, and James Harden and Blake Griffin. It was just an incredible draft. And then you had the run of point guards like Drew Holiday, Ty Lawson, Jeff Teague, Eric Maynard, Darren Collison. Brandon Jennings went 10th who was, like, really fun. Yes, and too. he had left. Remember, he left because he had fallen so far, and then he came back to walk mm-hmm. across the stage. Just an amazing mm-hmm. draft. Okay, moving on to a very memorable draft, 2010. Now, the Thunder came into this with the 21st and 26th pick. This is amazing in retrospect because this is the kind of trade that, like, somebody would suggest to us on Twitter and be like, come on, like, you can't do that. The 21st yeah. and 26th to move up to the 11th pick. Well, so- they had the 18th pick in the draft, too. Yeah, and and... And they had to take back Mo Pete because New Orleans was trying to like shed some salary. That's how they did it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how they did it. Was there? They were like, "Hey, we'll give you these two picks, and we'll take on this contract." Yeah. And at the time, like teams were just like bleeding money, and like they had like they had to do stuff like this. And the Thunder are hoping that there's some team out there that feels the same way in this next draft. 
Now, before we uh, reveal who we wanted, this was from Bill Simmons' draft diary that night. He said, New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans picks Kansas center Cole Aldrich at number 11, then deals him to Oklahoma City with Mo Pete's expiring contract for the 21st and 26th pick. I would have loved that move for OKC if Aldrich didn't measure 6'9 in street clothes during the combines. That triples the potential that he's just a shorter Joel Prisbilla. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that is not the way I felt at the time because I Dude. knew. I, <laughs> you remember what we did? We yes. At, you and Luke's house and Norman. So the trade was announced first before the pick yep. was made. And right when yeah. the trade was announced, I knew it was Cole Aldrich. And I was yep. over the moon. Dude, we were dancing in your living room. We were so pumped and jacked. We thought we've done it. Like we've made it. We did it. We've arrived. We have arrived. We've officially arrived with Cole Aldrich. <laughs> and it's crazy to think, like, if they had nailed that pick, like if Cole Aldrich had been the guy we wanted him to be, mm-hmm. it just changes so much because then the Jeff – I mean, because that was pre-Jeff Green. Yeah, that was pre-Jeff Green trade. Yeah, 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 it was pre, yeah, it was pre that trade. It was – yeah, if he was anything, with a, it was a center with a pulse, then you don't <laughs> trade for Perk. Right, right, right. right. It's crazy to think about, but we were pretty psyched. But the thing is, but the thing is, you look at that draft, and there's there's nobody after Paul George, right? Oh it, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Paul George was at ten, and there were some decent names in that top ten. But it, Cole it Aldridge, Xavier Henry, Ed Davis, Patrick Patterson, Larry Sanders, Love Luke him. Babbitt, Kevin Serafin, and then you have like the. Eric Bledsoe, Avery Bradley guys, and the Thunder should have just stayed and taken one of those guys, but they didn't. They ended up getting a future pick for that 18th pick, whatever. And I and I'm, something else that I've heard is that the Thunder would have taken Avery Bradley at 18 had they would have stayed. And and that makes so uh, much sense too. Like that that's the exact yeah. type of guy we were looking for. And granted, by that time we had Tabo, but still, like getting a defensive guard that could shoot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was like everything that's all we ever wanted yep and that would have been an amazing pick now alan miller 12 he said i don't know if it was a need but trading for xavier henry instead of cole would have been pretty cool pco pirate alum <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would, that would have been cool his his brother cj was our age and he absolutely embarrassed me and made me never want to play basketball again in the eighth grade Oh, playing against you? Were you were you defending yeah. him? Yes, he put up fifty two on us. Wow. Yeah, that was it. He would cross he would cross half court and and shoot. And because I was one of the only kids on our team that was approximately his size, I'd have to guard him. <laughs> it was not good. I mean, I'll just always remember uh, with CJ when he in high school, and I was the basketball announcer. And yeah. I started chanting airball after he had airballed it. And I was surrounded by PCO parents, and they were furious at me for taking a side oh. that aggressively. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. Both those guys were phenomenal in high school. And they were. Both struggled with, struggled with injuries, um, but like really good players. Okay, 2011, this is an interesting one. You know, Reggie Jackson, we take him to 24th. But this analysis... Yeah. This is from Chad Ford, and this is before the draft, okay? Mock draft. Mm -hmm. This is his analysis about what OKC might do. It starts off, I don't have Singler rated as a top 30 prospect, but I might be mistaken. (laughs) A source said the Thunder are very high on Kyle Singler and believe he could be an Andres Nocioni-type player in the NBA. He is tough, (laughs) has a good motor, and will be able to knock down open shots. If he plays that role in the NBA, he's well worth the 24th pick. Reggie Jackson, Nikola Miritich, and Jimmy Butler are other possibilities here. Jimmy Butler, man. I would say that this is one of the first years where it's like we didn't even really get a chance to have a favorite prospect because I feel like the rumor about the Reggie Jackson promise came out pretty early. Yeah, it, it did. I wanted my my guy was Jordan Hamilton out of Texas. Yeah, that's who I liked. I thought, oh man, they need kind of a versatile wing that can shoot it. Obviously, they made a much better pick. Jimmy would have been a better would have been better than Reggie, but Reggie was good. I mean, Reggie helped them win a playoff series in in Memphis. So, 
and you can't argue with the results, but yeah, he was and, not my guy. And now he's about to lead one of the most incredible comebacks in NBA history. That's right. That's right. That's what he can does. you can you even imagine Russ and Jimmy on the same team? Like it's a if, it's a lot. That's a it, lot. If handle. we th- if we think that Russ destroyed Jeremy Lamb's confidence, like imagine Jeremy Lamb coming into a team with Russ and Jimmy. There, there might be a murder. <laughs> so hard as a young player with those two guys. It would have been so great, though. How much would you have loved that team? Oh, they they would be psychos, like together. It would have been yeah, amazing. I don't know if I I don't know either. Kevin would have been like forced to stay, or <laughs> Kevin would have demanded a trade before. Yeah. I don't know which. <laughs> and we would have just had like these super crazy guys who neither of them can really shoot, but they're just like gamers. We would have loved it. Every uh, gosh, put on your OKC hard hat, people. Oh, <laughs> Gear yeah. up for Russell and Jimmy. <laughs> Um, okay, 2012. This one I feel like is obvious who we wanted. 2012, this is the Perry Jones the third draft. He went 28th, and I yep. feel like everyone was on board with this. Oh, my gosh. I, I was in my living room. I lived in this little house in Yukon, America, and I was sitting there just praying that they would take Perry Jones because he was falling. Like He had fallen so far, and then when Arnett Moultrie, who I think – it says Miami had that pick, but I believe he went to the Philly. To Philly. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh, they have to take Perry Jones. Like, they just have to. And then when they did, it was just like similar feelings to when they took Cole Aldrich, where you're just like, <laughs> they did it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we we're just, well, I was per- so, so excited. Perry Jones is an example of like the favorite type of draft pick that almost never works out and like Scal LeBissier falls into this as well where like mm-hmm. going into their freshman year they are bona fide top five picks everyone agrees consensus these yeah. guys are going top five by the end of the season they fall but I went back and looked at some of the mock drafts and even like days before the draft they had Perry Jones going in the late lottery like right around like 14 yeah. or 15 and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And same with Skull. And then for those guys to then drop to the end of the first round where the best teams are, like it feels like you just like got away with murder when you get one of these yeah. guys. It's like, how is the league allowing us to do this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> On the Thunder with Russell, Kevin, and oh my gosh, James, how do we do this? Yeah. It's but it's but it's also there's times where it works out. I mean, it's a little reminiscent of Jaden McDaniels this year to the Timberwolves. Yeah. Who was like five-star recruit, you know, checks all the boxes, you know, great athlete, great length, can shoot, can pass, can dribble, can defend. Like that guy shouldn't be there, but he has like low motor. And he's like proven that he doesn't really have a low motor. It's just kind of a weird Washington thing. But Perry Jones like legitimately had like a low motor (laughs) and like just did not really care because he – because I believe he was a sophomore, isn't that right? Uh, I think so. And he went, I was supposed to be the yeah. number one pick because his sophomore year he was supposed to come back and like dominate, and he basically had yes. the same year that he had his freshman year. And the same year, and I was like, uh, okay, because he was supposed to be like in line to be the number one pick coming out, like going into Baylor that first year, and then it was just like, oh, okay, like where is it? Because he does, because he has all the talent, like he should be in the league today. Like there's, and he's had injuries and stuff like that, and that's a problem, whatever. But he still has the talent to be in the league today, but he just never put it together. And but yeah, spe- then you look at this, you look at the second round though. Like there's Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, Will Barton, all in that second round, which yeah. is just kind of wild that all those guys were selected there. But to be fair, like other than Draymond, like none of those guys stuck on their first team. Like they all got bounced around yeah. the league and before they finally true. found their footing. That's true. Hey, before we move on, let's go to the stream and check out who's here at 1.45 in the morning, Central Standard Time. We have Mike McGee 
We have Hybrid, who is so ready for this pod. We have Reese, who says, Night pod, let's go. We have Miguel Bella in the Philippines saying good afternoon. Uh, Cody McChicken is here. Uh, M. Webb says it's way past his bedtime. Me too. We have Jamie in Mexico. Always listening. Thank you for listening. Loving the night pod. Uh, does this mean there's no pod tomorrow? Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. Um, <laughs> we have Drew Kimball from Greasy, Oklahoma. We have Falk from Denmark. Uh, Stephen Dolan is in the chat. What's up, Stephen? He's very mad that we called it a coin flip. Oh, no. Uh, Kyle Platts here in the chat. Uh, let's see. Koa Tran says, what's up? Reese is talking about campaign being the best point guard. Um, let's see who else is here. Simon Shin says, "Late night pod. What is this? I don't know." Um, what's up from Chi Town? What's going on? Mike McGee is in Melbourne. We have Jess in Perth, Australia. Thanks for listening. Uh. Nakapish says it's psycho behavior to have a pod at this hour. Uh, Jesse Holland is in the chat. And uh, Stephen Dolan says that he was wiping tables at Eskimo Joe's during the lottery of one of these drafts. And then he says, Andrew, up in Eskimo Joe's. Yeah, I worked at Eskimo Joe's when I was in college too. So I wasn't then but at some point was also working at eskimo joe's uh wiping tables waiting tables shoot uh Lockie in melbourne uh lawrence field in florida uh, brian yates says what's going on not much man uh and Stephen dolan still commenting thanks for joining the pod uh <laughs> we'll be right back after this quick Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back after that quick break. Alex... We're in 2013, is that correct? Well, one quick note before you leave 2012. Okay. This was okay. from a mock draft, and I just thought you'd think it's funny, especially since we were just talking about Perry Jones's motor. Yeah. This is about the Suns. It says, I think the Suns would be thrilled if Jeremy Lamb lasted this long on the board. He could go as high as four overall, and I think this would be his floor. There's star potential there for Lamb if he ever revs up his motor. Nailed it. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, never revved. Never revved. Never revved. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay, 2013. <laughs> we took Steven Adams 12th. We also took Andre yep. Robertson 26th. We traded the 29th pick for him. Um, this was an interesting one. I found a chat with Chad Ford where he had mentioned that the Thunder were looking to move up to number one. Now, remember, this was the Anthony Bennett draft. I assume yep. that means that the Thunder were interested in moving up for Victor Oladipo. Um, That's correct. But he, he correctly you know, deduced that that would mean that they'd have to trade probably Serge Ibaka because they didn't, yeah. the Thunder didn't have a lot of other tradable assets that Cleveland would want um, that would make sense. And so then he, someone asked him who he would like at 12, and he said, well, they're probably looking for bigs. And he brought up Steven Adams, and then he brought up the guy I wanted, which was Kelly Olnick. I was oh no, all in on Kelly Olnick. Because oh, no. at that point, like we hadn't really had 
a big man who could shoot. And I was, th- I was, I was forward thinking. I was thinking, here we go. This is going to be our stretch five. This is where the league's headed. This is where it's going. Small ball, Mori ball. And so I wanted <laughs> Kelly Olnick for that reason. I don't know who you wanted, but I know it was not Stephen Adams. No, no, no. I was a Shabazz Muhammad believer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mostly just because he was so highly recruited out of high school. Like he's five star. He's top of his class. He was. He didn't have a a great year um, at UCLA, but still, like he was thought of to be like the best player. And it turns out it's just because he was older than everybody, <laughs> and just like manhandled people for years. And so, yeah, that's that's who I wanted. Uh, Jay and I did like a live pod. This is like in the infancy of Down to Dunk, and we did like a live pod during the draft. And we turned off the pod after they drafted Steven. We were so mad. I just told Jay to go home. So, yeah, I, I was. <laughs> that's, that's how that went. I was furious. I can remember tweeting, like, well, the Blue are going to have a great squad next year. I guess it was uh, whatever their name was back then. Not yeah. The so, this is, this is also so before the season, I had Anthony Slater on. It was his first year on the beat in Oklahoma City with the Oklahoman. And once I found out, like, I think he was already working at the Oklahoma, but then got put on the beat. And so I found out and I, like, I think I DM'd him on Twitter. I was like, hey, would you want to come on my podcast? And the Oklahoma didn't have Thunder Buddies at the time. So like, we were, like, one of the only Thunder podcasts out there. And so I had him on. And my, my question was, over under 100 NBA minutes for Steven Adams. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we both took the under. <laughs> before the season um yeah i mean i'll never forget that it's funny because like now slater and i talk all the time he's does the tampering podcast we do all kinds of stuff with podcasts on the athletic but it's just funny to think back and then a few weeks later after we did that show they started the thunder buddies pod with with he and darnell uh so it's just funny to, to think back on that one because we were just clueless when it came to like what Steven Adams was going to be his rookie season and then just like funny like the Thunder podcast history that's kind of within within that. Well and if you listen to the Steven Adams uh, interview he did on JJ Reddick's podcast like he didn't know what he was doing either like he makes it sound Mm -hmm. like he just came out of college on a whim and that's like basically what he was telling everyone he was just enjoying the draft process and we'll see what happens no big deal (laughs) So like, I don't. I think even if we knew more information at the time, we still would have had that those same feelings. Yeah. Did you have any like late draft takes with like the Robertson pick? No. I. I mean, I remember that pick. Um. Obviously, like Rudy Gobert went right after him, but no, I did not have a f- opinion on any of those guys at the time. I. I remember being surprised by the Robertson pick because. Obviously, we're following all these mock drafts, and his name is never coming up, not once. Mm-hmm. But as we'll discuss a little bit later, there's a there's a guy who showed up at the end of the first round in a later draft that was uh, much more surprising than Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Street Mike 22 also has Shabazz Muhammad as his pick. So did Elliot Yinger, Shabazz Muhammad. And then Warner West, he was with me, taking Olenek because the idea of having a floor spacer was legit. I agree. Now, 2014, this is, in fact, I was about to say this is Pressy's worst draft of all time. When I was doing research, yeah. I actually found an article, and I don't know if it was from, like, Thunderous Intentions or not. It was, it was like, one of the one of the Thunder blogs that was basically, like, Presty just lost all of his shine as a GM with this draft. Like, like really nailing how terrible this draft was. I want to preface all this, though, by giving you a report from Chad Ford prior to the draft, which was, mm-hmm. according to ESPN's Chad Ford, the Thunder told the skinny seven-footer from Latvia named Kristaps Porzingis that the team would select him in the first round. There hasn't been a lot of hype yeah. about Porzingis, but he has great length, can shoot the basketball, and is just 18 years old. Oh, what could have yep. been. Because instead we took <laughs> Mitch McGarry with the 21st pick and Josh Hustis. The first, <sighs> I, what, what did they call it? Not draft and stash, 
I remember Zach Lowe had that article in the weeks after about Josh Eustace. Domestic draft and stash. Yeah, domestic draft and stash. Ugh, what an awful... I hated that pick so much. It was so bad, And the, And the Zach Lowe article did nothing to make me feel better about it. It was just like, oh, so this is just stupid. They're just doing something stupid. They could have taken him in the second round. Jimmy Minns on Twitter agreed. He said, picking Josh Eustace was devastating at the time. That's how I felt as well. Now, if you go back... So bad. Obviously, we we think this is a terrible draft, but I remember who I wanted at 21, and it was not Mitch McGarry. I really wanted Jordan Adams from UCLA. He was a shooting guard. You did? Yes, I did. And, like, I was convinced he was really good. There was some, like, weird advanced stats on him that that made him seem like he was just, like, the prototypical shooting guard. And I really wanted him... He went to Memphis, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, grit and grind Memphis is exactly what they need. Like, a, a, sh- a real, a true shooting guard. It's going to be amazing for them, and it, it didn't work out for them. Yeah. I wanted – I was a Rodney Hood guy. Yeah, there were a lot of Rodney 21. Hood. J.D. Brown, nine. He said, I really, really wanted Rodney Hood in 2014. Yeah. I think we talked a lot about that on the pod at the time, that we wanted Rodney Hood. And then, like, even Kyle Anderson. Like, I was a Kyle Anderson guy. Too. You weren't. A, I think he fit the Thunder guy? super well, dude. Houston wasn't on the draft on anybody's draft boards. <laughs> like he wasn't in any mock drafts, <laughs> and there was even like there was still like there's becoming more information about the draft around this time, but there's there's nothing like it is today. But I didn't know who he was, let alone how to pronounce his name. I remember it was like Josh Huestis. Like, who is <laughs> Josh this? Huestis. Like, what is? Like, why? And it like everybody was just like, what? Like, why did they? Why did they do this? I mean, they even took the wrong Stanford guy. Like, they took the wrong second round Stanford guy. Like, Dwight Powell was the right. If you did, the, if they did this with Dwight Powell, they could have probably gotten the same deal, right? Yeah, and. Like, he's a good player. And then you would have been like, oh, my gosh, Sam Presti is a genius. You know, but they picked Houston. And Houston is a great like, great person, great human being. Um, and, hey, we but, we multiple times said that he was a guy. He was the original guy. We really guy. tried. <laughs> we really tried. We tried to box him in and uh, couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't make it happen. Well, and that was kind of the issue. The Thunder drafted him basically to box him in. Like, when you draft someone like that, you're not expecting any ceiling. You're just like hoping no. for the floor. And it was Josh Eustace was was the was like when you think about it, he was the first two way contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. You know what I mean? But you don't use a first round pick for a two way contract. <laughs> That's the problem with it. You know, I mean, what the Thunder did with him will never happen again with anybody. But it's also like, like hey. awesome for him. I mean. To get that guaranteed money as a first round pick, shout out! It's great. It's a great, great, great for him. Bad for the Thunder. You remember who the guy that we just were so devastated that we didn't get by the second week of the season in that draft? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking over the names. I have no idea who it would be. KJ McDaniel's. Oh, he was remember KJ McDaniel's. Yeah, uh, who was it? I think it was Bill Simmons compared him to Scottie Pippen. Bill Simmons called him Scottie Pippen. Yeah. On, he like, said that the, he's the with, next Scottie I remember Pippen. Zach Lowe was on that podcast. It was like a respectable yes. podcast calling KJ yes, McDaniels. It, I know. Pippen. It was like, oh my gosh, how could they have whiffed and not taken KJ McDaniels? <laughs> and then KJ McDaniels ends up on the blue later on. Can't make it onto the Thunder. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, all right, next year, timely, 2015, the only real lottery pick in that Katie Russ era, and we get Cameron Payne Boo. for the Phoenix Suns. Now, that year, yeah. was the that was the Plague of Egypt year, Plagues of Egypt mm-hmm. year, and we had the 14th best odds, didn't move up. Obviously, everyone remembers, you know, Devin Booker goes one pick ahead. That was, that was a really fun draft as well because that was the draft with justice winslow so you had like 
the all the Celtics rumors about them trying to trade with Charlotte and Charlotte refusing mm-hmm. for Frank Kaminsky. You had mm-hmm. Philly dropping to three in what at the time like everyone knew was a two person draft, meaning like Towns and Russell were going to go one two, and then mm-hmm. they had to decide between Okafor and Porzingis probably. And there's now yeah. reports out there that like Porzingis would not give them their, his medicals because at that time like they already had mb they already had noel he's like i am not going to be the third center on this team and that mm-hmm. turned out to be the curse of julie Oak for it was just a very fun draft that was the mario hazonia draft which by the way thunder's oh. thunder scoop on twitter said i was convinced mario hazonia was going to be great in the 2015 draft and wanted the thunder to trade up to get him shake my head yep yeah i was a i was a hazonia guy this draft is really really very bad <laughs> it is um, <laughs> uh i was i wanted Ubre. i just wish they would have taken Ubre. and which and the thing with is funny in retrospect Ubre is there was the kd connection and that, that was out yes. there before the draft that like oh he's from the dmv as well he knew kd like going back like we kind of needed another wing at that time yeah but definitely did but and to be fair we needed a backup point guard as well Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I was kind of on the Ubre train, which is maybe I was also maybe that's where my love yeah. my love for him originally started. Why I defended yeah. him so strongly I, this year. Like and also later in that draft, I was a I liked Justin Anderson. Yeah, and I liked uh, Jerry and Grant. Jerry and Grant. Those are the, those are the other guys that I like. But like you look at this draft, it's bad. Oh, I rem- it's it's really bad. I remember oh, the funniest thing about this draft to me was the two Boston picks. So they take Terry Rozier, which is one of Danny Ainge's yeah. best only good mid-round uh picks. And then they take mm-hmm. RJ Hunter at 28. And I remember the like post-draft take was, you know, if they just flip those guys, if they'd taken RJ Hunter at 16 and Terry Rozier at 28, like, okay, I get it. Like that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. So bad. Because RJ Hunter had that so huge bad. shot in the tournament. His dad fell off the stool. Yeah. It was great. That's so funny. I think Kevin Pelton was a big RJ Hunter guy. Yeah. He was he was very skinny. Efficient or something. Um yeah. twenty really bad draft. Really, really bad draft. Twenty sixteen draft. This was the one, of course, the Thunder did not have a pick going into it. Made the huge trade on draft night to move up and get Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Did you, because I'm looking over these names, and if I th- wanted them to move up to get to someone, I almost think that I would have said Dragon Bender back then. Mm-hmm. Almost as like, oh, we missed out on Porzingis. Here's the next Porzingis. <laughs> right. No, I was firmly on the Delmas train. You were. Uh-huh. You weren't on the Papa G train? No one was on the Papa G train <laughs> except for the Kings, man. That was it. Um, I liked Chris Dunn. Uh, who else did I like in this draft that would have been in that uh, I, I really liked Wade Baldwin. I remember him. Wade Baldwin and, of course, Skull, who, who ended pick. up going at 28. It's crazy, yeah. though, the drop-off after Sabonis. The next six picks, seven picks, Taurine Prince, that's the best it's going to get. Papa G, mm-hmm. Denzel Valentine, Juan Hernan Gomez, so I guess okay. Gerson Yebusele, that was the French Draymond. Oh my gosh, Wade Baldwin and Henry Ellenson. Just brutal. It's really bad. And then you get Malik Beasley and Karis Levert in that draft. Um, so yeah, so that was a weird one because prior to the draft, I, I don't think we were expecting that move. I know we weren't expecting it because when that news dropped, when that tweet dropped that the Thunder are moving up to 11 and selecting Sabonis... Like that was almost as shocking as the Paul George trade. Like it's up there in my top five of like most shocking Thunder moments, because that yeah, that I was calling Jay and talking to him after that trade. That was a wild one. Because that was breaking up the core in a major way, with getting rid of Serge Ibaka. Yes. Well, and this was right before Kevin left. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, okay, they're changing the team, and we like, and then you heard about Kevin like being excited about that. And like playing with that team on 2K or whatever. Oh, I remember that? when when that when the initial trade came out and it didn't say that Old Depot was in the trade. 
but you knew that there had to be some money coming back. And I like, I knew it was yeah. Oladipo. And I was just like so excited because you're just thinking, wow, we just like completely recreated our lineup overnight. Yeah. Brought in the best two guard we've ever had on this team, other than Harden, obviously, like post Harden. Um, it, mm-hmm. it was, it, it felt like everything had changed. And then in two weeks, oh everything did change. I know. Well, and you think, and if you just go down, just if Kevin would have just stayed, like don't go there, Andrew. Don't been. go there. Because you keep Sabonis. No, don't say it. Man, it would have been very good, Kevin. You idiot, Kevin. I mean, that's really Kevin could have been beloved, had titles, could have had everything he wanted, and we could have had everything we wanted. Yeah, but we don't. So. Uh, next, moving on. <laughs> so this, I would say, this draft is the most obvious in terms of who everyone wanted. I got more responses for this draft than any other draft. This was the 2017 draft. Mm-hmm. Thunder took Terrence Ferguson, with the 21st pick. Bro. And I will say, obviously, Andrew, you, you've you've had a Thunder podcast for a long time. You've thrown out a lot of opinions, tried to infect the minds of other Thunder fans. I think your biggest achievement was convincing. Literally a hundred percent of the Thunder fan base that the Thunder should take OG, and when they didn't take OG, mm-hmm. it was the biggest mistake that the Thunder had made, and that still persists mm-hmm. to this day. And it's obviously gotten obvious at this point, but this is something I remember like at the time, like we were all over this because again, he was another one of these players where he was supposed to go higher, and the only reason he wasn't going higher was because he tore an ACL which at this point, mm-hmm. it's like, who cares? Like, guys recover from ACLs. Why are we freaking out about this? Everyone acknowledges this is the best wing defender in this draft. Why is he not going top 10? He just kept falling, and then for him to be there. He was there. He was there for the taking. He was right there. Him or Tyler Lydon. have taken him. Right there. Could have had either one. <laughs> and we went with Terrence Bruce. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, OG was my guy, and it felt like it wasn't possible to get him. The Thunder would have to trade up to get him, and so my other guy was Derek White. Um, this was like the probably the first year that McKellie and I covered the draft was 2017, and we watched a ton of all of these guys. And it came down to, like, we loved – obviously, we loved OG Ananobi. We just didn't think he'd be there, but, like, Derek White was the guy that if – they were to take somebody at 21. That's who we thought they should take. And they took Terrence Ferguson. And we, so we did our draft party at Anthem. And it was awesome. Like Chicken Express. I think that was the, yeah, that was the draft that Chicken Express provided <laughs> food for every single person that was there. It was an unbelievable event. We, yeah, I cannot believe we pulled that off. But, we all booed. I think you can go back and listen because like when that pick came in and they selected Terrence Ferguson, we had several hundred people just booing in this brick. Everybody was so mad. I mean, cause you had riled was, them up. Was, we had gotten all riled up and we were right. That's the thing about it is that we were all correct about it, that it was, should have been OG or Derek white. Both would have been great. I mean, Derek white would have really helped those Westbrook teams to be like a secondary ball handler, a guy that can hit threes. Like he, he did everything that, you know, we watched him do at Colorado. Like he, he does that in the NBA, but doesn't have like the Reggie Jackson attitude thing going on. No, he's great. He's a great guy. Yeah. That was a, that was a tough one. I remember really liking Dennis Smith jr. In that draft. I thought that Dallas just like got an amazing (laughs) steal. When he fell to nine, I think he was a dunk. He was a dunked on guy. That was a guy that dunked on. Oh, really? Was Dennis Smith Jr. I also mm-hmm. remember I just remember thinking that. it was absolutely absurd that Kevin O'Connor had Jason Tatum as his number one player in the draft because everyone I did had too. faults. Everyone had faults. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. KOC and I'm sh- maybe there were some Lonzo people out there, but KOC was the only person I can remember who had Tatum number one. And knowing his connections to Boston, you kind of wonder. Like, what kind of intel he was getting from the Celtics at the time? Stop. You can stop wondering. 
right now. Has he talked? Has he ever talked about it? Like I'm assuming that's why no, he was so but high you can, on it. Yes, I I almost promise you that what you're thinking is the case. And I mean, credit to him for doing it. But like you watched, I mean, I watched a ton of what Tatum could do, and McKelly really liked him too. But man, like the ISO mid range chucker that he was at Duke, I was just like not convinced. Yeah. That he could that he could translate that to the NBA. And he has. He's been he's been easily the best guy in that draft. Easily. Oh man, that was a that was a fun draft. The Donovan Mitchell Bam Adebayo back to back. What a good draft. 13-14, yeah. But then like there's some stinkers in there. Nilakina. Oh, the big old stinkers. Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> Zach Collins, Malik Monk, who's have been better. Malik Monk's been better, but yeah. Luke Kennard, also, who got paid, played zero minutes tonight. Shout out yep, to him. Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson, two-way player for the Bucks now. Justin Patton. The, but then the run at from 19, John Collins, Harry Giles obviously had, didn't pan out. But then you had Ferg who didn't pan out. But then Jared <laughs> Allen, OG. Never mind. It's not as impressive as I <laughs> You really built up be. that run. Uh, Angie Ange- Pejnikius. Oh, Andre Pesheknik's. Yeah, Ange- man. How do you say his last name? Pesheknik's. Remember Pesheknik's. how? I remember there was some. There was some like trade that that they acted like involved the Thunder that night for him, and I was like, "What? Like why?" Uh, oh well. Yeah, that was that was a wild one. I also really wanted Jawan Evans in the second round. I wanted them to trade for a pick, get Jawan Evans. He ended up on the Clippers, or the yep. yeah, he was. Or the Warriors. He was on the Clippers. Yeah, he was on the Clippers because I asked Doc about him at one of the like pregame pressers, and Doc looked at me and he said, "Who?" <laughs> and he was just messing with me. But I felt really scared that is is he not on this team? Okay, he is on this team. It just felt really awkward. <laughs> um, okay, 2018. This is the first year where the Thunder ended up with no first-round picks. They traded away in the Ennis Cantor-Kyle Singler deal. They finally got their guy. They got him. And this Four years later. I mean, this is the Shea draft. Obviously, that's not how it's known. This is the Luka draft. This is also the Trey draft, the DeAndre yeah. Ayton, who's amazing now, draft. Just a, a very fun draft where there's still guys popping up. Michael Porter Jr., Colin Sexton, like – just an absolutely loaded draft. Yeah, Miles Bridges. Mikhail Bridges. Bridges is good. Mikhail. Um, yeah, there's some there's some good players in this draft. Now, a few memories from this draft. I remember when Golden State got Jacob Evans. He was another in a long line of like, yeah. how did the league let them do this? <laughs> how did they let him get away <laughs> with this? <laughs> no. He's ready now. He's going to play now. <laughs> um. Was there anyone that you remember in this draft that you were in love with? Um, I really did like Mikael Bridges. I thought he would have been perfect for the Thunder. Oh, you know who it would have been perfect uh, for? The Sixers who drafted him and traded him away for Zaire bro. Smith. And he was from Villanova. Yeah. I know. I know. From right there. And his mom. His mom worked for the well, Sixers. His mom worked for the, yeah, his mom worked for the Sixers. Come on, man. Like That was pretty brutal. Was that Colangelo? Uh, that must have been Colangelo by that point. Yeah, because this, is after, the, this was. is after the Fultz. Yes. But, yeah, I was I was big on him. I was big on Trey Young. Um, Jaron Jackson, big on him. Bagley, not so much. But Aiton, I loved. Luca, obviously, Luca was McKellie and I's number one guy. And then, like, Colin Sexton, I didn't really know what to do with him. I like his tude. I like his attitude. Yeah, it's funny how his attitude. Uh, I've always, I always associate it with, oh, this guy's really good at defense, and mm-hmm. obviously he's not good at defense. He's actually very bad at defense. But mm-hmm. even still, I thought, well, he must have been good in college. But I went back and read some like mock drafts from that time, even from Sam Vecini, and he, it turns out he was like never good at defense. <laughs> he was all, mm-hmm. always projected as a terrible defender. And it turns out he he's mm-hmm. just he can he's very animated on defense. I mean, I remember the even from his first his rookie season when he like slapped the floor, you know, he's like, oh yeah, he's crazy on defense, but it does not translate into anything. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with Shea because I remember watching. I think some of the first stuff that I watched was like from early on in the 
in his season at Kentucky, and he just wasn't great. But then you watch some of the later stuff, and he was like noticeably better, and had the ball in his hands more. And that the season they kind of it took him a while to hand the the keys over to Shea at Kentucky, and they finally did, and he was pretty good down the stretch. But I didn't really know what to do with him or what he could be, and he's I mean he's exceeded those expectations wildly. Oh yeah, and and the obviously the the probably the biggest mistake in this draft by everyone was letting Michael Porter Jr. fall as far as he did. He's another, like, in a mm-hmm. long line of guys who they're only falling because they're injured. Now, granted, his injury was a little bit more serious because it was, like, this back injury and, like, how long is this going to be? Mm-hmm. But you have a team like the Clippers mm-hmm. who have two first-round picks, one of which they got in a trade. I think that was the, from the Tobias Harris trade. And it's like, mm-hmm. why not just just do it? Who cares? Like, just, So what if you throw away Especially- one of your Especially – Especially if you're the Clippers. The Clippers, who did the right thing in trading for Shea, um, they traded Miles Bridges and another asset to trade it for Shea. Perfect. Then they, they they have the 13th pick. They're sitting right there. You just, just take Porter. He's right there. Just take him. And you like Shea. Wonderful. But they took Jerome Robinson, who was like a reach at the time. Like, just you take Porter and you have like this – slam dunk draft yeah like just insane draft um but they blew it okay our final year i'm not gonna do 2020 because it's too recent and also by the end of it we all wanted poku uh yeah we got what we wanted 2019 that was the beige draft 23rd overall another one where you recorded a live draft and uh everyone was confused again with the pick who I know, like mocked. He was mocked in like the mid second round, and I was like, "Who? Because like, when he showed up on the screen, it's a very fun, fun draft party at Banquet Cinema Pub. Packed the house. Nobody had any clue who this guy was. Uh, like it came across as Darius Baisley, USA. That's what it said." <laughs> What? He's patriotic. He's patriotic. He's just, it's good. He just plays for America. <laughs> and then like you start to remember, like, oh my gosh, this is the new balance guy. Oh no, we took the new balance guy. How could the Thunder take the new balance guy? Because I, I know uh, but they did. at the time, you know, a couple people uh tweeted at me. One was Caleb Lambert, who said really wanted us to take Kevin Porter Jr. at Bayes' spot. I don't know which player I'd rather have right now. Interesting. I feel like I know. Yeah. Um, but I know. <laughs> we know. I, I feel like you really wanted Brandon Clark. True? I liked, I liked Brandon Clark a lot. I liked Grant Williams a lot and I, in that draft. I really liked Matisse Thibel, yeah. even though, of course, like at the time, there was the expectation was this guy's not going to shoot at all. But some of his stats with like steal and block percentage were just so absurd that I was like, mm-hmm. I, I just got to see this guy. So like let's mm-hmm. just let's just grab him because at that time of course like we have Russ we have PG, in fact that was 2019 so that was after the mellow year, that was like at the end of that mm. mellow year. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking yeah just bring in another defender. Robertson's been hurt. We saw what happened when Robertson mm-hmm. left the team. Like just bring in another one like that who can come in just play lockdown defense. Bring in Matisse. Mm-hmm. We got base. But hey, we got the next pick too. Ty Jerome ended up our way. Yeah. Yeah, we got Ty Jerome too. I like Ty Jerome in that draft. Thought he was going to be kind of what he is today. This kind of like multi-tool guard that can shoot it. Yeah. Uh, I I was a big Nikhil Alexander-Walker guy. Still am. Uh, McKellie and I really like Chuma Okiki as well. In like the mid-range. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody knew it was Zion and Jaw. Yeah, and then obviously 2020 was Poku. So I am. I have a feeling that this draft, like the lead up to it, is just going to be so much fun because my big prediction is that the top five does not end up being the top five that we think it is right now. I, I think that, and the most likely candidate is Kaminga, but I think one of those top five. Somebody falls in love with somebody else from like 6 to 10, 6 to 14, and they move up and take them 
with the fifth pick. I don't know who it's going to yeah. be, but I think there's enough of those types of players that we talked about again and again, whether it's like Perry Jones or different guys where super highly recruited, super coveted going into their freshman year of college, and then just didn't have a good college year. And admittedly, what was a very weird college season with, with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I just have a feeling that once these guys get into workouts, one of these guys who was a huge recruit in high school is going to pop and some team's going to talk themselves into them for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. I, I just, I'm just so curious as to what the evaluations on these guys are going to be, because I, I mean, we think we know, and we look, we've looked at the mock drafts and we've read Sam Vecini's stuff, but we don't have any clue what these, what the teams think. You know, I think the top four seem to be the top four, but dude, we don't know. Like nobody really knows. So it'll be, I'll, I'll bet those top four will will be there. But yeah, you're right. I think that it's. This could get a little wacky based on the evaluations of these teams. So, um, okay, it's two twenty a.m. I've got to go to bed. Um, Al, get out. thanks for joining. Thank everybody for joining us in the stream. I will not edit this pod tonight. It will be out tomorrow morning at some point. Hope you guys have a great evening, night, night pod, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.